in the last message of our series entitled Playground. And we've talked about these amazing things that we've learned on the playground. Dodgeball. How uh, sometimes there are things that need to be avoided, but really in the area of spiritual warfare, we're not called to be on the defense, we're called to be on the offense. We talked about hopscotch and God's ability to keep us within the lines and God's grace when maybe we step outside the lines a little bit. We talked about mother may I and the, the, the understanding, the, the proper understanding of spiritual authority. Well, this morning, I want to talk to you about freeze tag. One of the, probably the goofiest games that are played on the playground, right? Freeze tag. Somebody or at times, somebody's are it. And we're running around trying to avoid them. And when we get caught, we are frozen until either somebody comes and sets us free by tagging us or in the proper way to pray free, freeze tag, even though it's a little bit awkward, right? What has to happen is somebody has to what? Go under your legs, right? Right? So it's like, come on, come on, hurry, come on. And both for you and for that person, it, it, it's a little bit awkward, it's a little bit uncomfortable, but that's what's required to set somebody free. Well, here's what I'm convinced of. I'm convinced that this lesson of freeze tag, whether we realize it or not, we live this in real life seemingly on an everyday basis. We live our life frozen, frozen by the attacks, the assault, the influence of the enemy. And it's in stark contrast to what God speaks to us through the Apostle Paul, and, and, and he makes a statement in Galatians 5. He says, you, my brothers, or you, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. Father, I thank you for that truth this morning. I thank you that we are called to be free. Father, I, I speak freedom over this church today. I speak freedom over everyone who's watching via media this morning. God, I speak freedom in Jesus' name. And I thank you that he who the Son sets free is free indeed. So God, we commit this time, we commit these moments to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Walking in, walking in freedom. You know, there, there are a number of, there are a number of places in Scripture where we, where we see an individual or individuals that are bound. And we see God's heart for us to walk in freedom. And, and we see how, how in, inter, in, in interaction, interacting or engaging with God, engaging with the Holy Spirit, how it allows people to walk in freedom. There's, there's one particular example that I want to draw your attention to this morning. It's actually recorded in three different Gospels. And we're going to look at it from, from Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 8. Uh, so I want you to go ahead and open your Bible and, and turn there to Luke chapter 8. And actually, the, the, uh, this, this account... Uh, it, 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 we, we find it, it starts in Luke 8.26. And in Luke 8.26, it tells us this, that, that Jesus and his disciples, they have, they, have just, they have just sailed from the western side of the Sea of Galilee over to the east side of the Sea of Galilee to a region that, that is known as the region of the Gadarenes or the region of the Gerasenes. Now, both, both, both Gadara and, and Gerasa, two different cities uh, that are a bit inland, uh, but this whole region, it's, it's that region of the Gadarenes or the region of the Gerasenes. And in fact, uh, we could take you uh, 
to the, we know from, from, from geography where exactly this happened. In fact, let me do this. Let me, uh, let me shamelessly give a quick promotion. November the 7th through the 16th, we'll be going to Israel. If you've not been, if you've never been to Israel, you need to go with us November 7th through the 16th. If you've not been with me, you need to go. If you've not been in the last five years, you need to go. It is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And, and I, I will tell you, we do this. First of all, we don't make a penny off of these trips. Uh, in fact, it costs us money to do them. But we do them because we understand that it takes Scripture and it turns it from concept into reality. It causes the Bible to go from 2D to 3D. And so I would, I would encourage you, I would challenge you, make plans to go with us to Israel. And you'll find more information about this on our church's website, but I, just, I encourage you to go with us. Anyway, uh, was not planning on mentioning that, but, uh, but wanted to mention it. Uh, and, uh, and we can put you in that spot. We can put you in the spot where this specific biblical story happens. And, and when, when, Jesus, when Jesus steps uh, from the lake, when Jesus steps ashore, it tells us this in verse 27, that he's met with a demon-possessed man from the town. And Luke chapter 8 refers to one man. Actually, when Jesus landed there, he actually, there were two demon-possessed men. And uh, Mark's gospel and Luke's gospel tell us about the single man. Matthew's gospel doesn't go into detail, but it, it tells us that there were actually two men that are there. But we're going to look at the story of this, this one individual this morning. This individual that they were bound, they were stuck. And what God does to set them free. First, what I want to do is I want to talk about why he is stuck. Why this man gets stuck. And, and really, we can learn from him why it is that we so often find ourselves caught in, in spiritual captivity, how, how it is that we end up being, living our life, would, would you allow me this expression, living our life bound, living our life in bondage, in spiritual bondage. And we see it from, 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 the, from the disposition of this demon-possessed man. There's much about him that we can absolutely relate to. In fact, let me offer you this. I believe that more of us than are willing to admit it, that we live in some degree of spiritual bondage. I believe that many of us, whether, whether we're willing to admit it or not, we live our lives and we are spiritually harassed. In fact, I, I would use this term, that we are harassed by the demonic. Now, there are some people, when you, when you mention the concept of demons, number one, there are people that freak out. Number two, there are people that go, ah, I don't know about that. And, and, and number three, there, there, there are people who all of a sudden start to get maybe, maybe anxious. When we look at Scripture, here's, here's, what, here's what we find. We find this, that the reality of demonic presence is clearly explained to us in Scripture. In fact, there are, there are 60 different scriptural references to the activity of the demonic. So we know this. We know if we believe that the Bible is, is true, if we believe the Bible is real, and I will tell you this, I believe in this book. I believe the Bible is true. How many of you here with me, do you believe the Bible is true? Come on. If we believe the Bible is true, then what we have to believe is this, is we have to believe that heaven is real, that we have a heaven to gain, we have a hell to shun, that we have a great advocate, right, Jesus, and we have a great adversary, Satan. Now, Jesus is omnipotent, means he's all-powerful. Jesus is omniscient, means he's all-knowing. And Jesus is omnipresent, which means that he's everywhere all the time. 
Satan is none of those. Satan is neither uh, all-powerful, all-knowing. Satan is also not omnipresent. Satan cannot be everywhere all the time. But what Satan does have is he has this demonic force. He has this demonic army. And, and Scripture explains that to us. History confirms it to us, and even our own experience acknowledges the fact that evil exists and the demonic is real. And so we have in Scripture these, these, these repeated accounts, these repeated testaments of demonic activity and, and the assurance that we have both the opportunity and the resource to overcome that demonic activity. Now, I'm convinced that far too many people live their life stuck, live their life bound, live their life oppressed, harassed, and even possessed because we walk in either ignorance or apathy towards the reality of the supernatural. Both, both the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit and also the activity and the issues that surround the demonic. And oftentimes we do this because we walk in ignorance. And, and the man in the story in Luke's gospel, he is stuck and he's stuck in large part because he has a misunderstanding. He's walking in ignorance. And here's what I want you to know. If you know the truth, in fact, the Word of God says this, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And so when we look at this, when we look at this story, here, here's, here, here's, what, here's what we're told. It says, it says this, it says in verse number 27 of Luke chapter 8, it says, when Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but he had lived in the tombs. He's, he's living, he's really not living, he's existing, right? And he's living among the tombs, which is a place that a, a, a follower of God is not going to be. Why? Because here's what we know. We know the issue of living among the tombs. First of all, it's kind of creepy, isn't it? Right? I mean, even, even today with the understanding that we have and the knowledge that we have, um, have, you ever, have you ever been walking along and, and maybe you're walking and you want to take a shortcut and that shortcut will take you through a cemetery? Has anybody else ever had that? So when I was in high school, the quickest way to get from my house to high school, and I, I'd walk to school, was to walk through the cemetery. And I would tell myself every morning, there's nothing creepy about this. Can I tell you something? It was really creepy. <laughs> you know, there's just, there's just something just not right. There's just something unsettling about it. And in Jewish tradition, that area is considered to be unclean. So you have this man, he's, he's, he's living in bondage and he's living in this area that is, that is unclean. It's just, it's not, it's not the, the place to be, right? And it tells us this, it tells us that, that when he saw Jesus, Luke 8, 28, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torture me. So often what happens is we live in spiritual bondage and we live in spiritual bondage because we misunderstand God's activity. We misunderstand God's activity, right? 
That's what what fuels statements like this. Well, if God is so loving, then why? If God is so caring, then why? If God is so powerful, listen, if God is so loving, then why do I have to deal with such pain in my life? If God is so caring, why is it that I consistently find myself in significant need? If God is so powerful, why is it that I feel defeated so often? And because we misunderstand the activity of God, it can position us to live our life in this issue of spiritual bondage. Because we don't understand and we don't appropriate things like, well, 2 Corinthians 3.17, which tells us this, now the Lord is spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. This man failed to understand that Jesus did not come to that place to torture him. That Jesus came to that place with an intent to bring freedom. Let me say that again. We get caught in spiritual bondage because we fail to understand the activity of God. And we will quote scriptures like all things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. But oftentimes in the midst of the situation, even though we can quote the scripture, we don't believe it. And we can become disconnected from God. We can become frustrated with God. We can even become angry with God. And that that detachment, what it does is it creates a void in our life that allows the influence of the enemy to hold greater sway. So much so, this is just my opinion. It is my opinion that the vast majority of those of us who profess to be Christ followers live our life with some degree of demonic influence being demon harassed. What, what, is, what does demon harassed look like? That we're, we're just constantly under attack, right? We're constantly facing challenge. We're constantly facing difficulty. We are so much so that it influences our disposition. And rather than living this life of joy that God has called us to live, rather than living a life of freedom that God has called us to live, we feel like we're constantly doing battle. We feel like we're constantly stuck. If that's you this morning, I've got good news for you today. God has brought you here that you might walk in freedom from that harassment that you're dealing with on an ongoing basis. There are some of, there are some of us here this morning that it's not just harassment, it's, it's oppression. What does oppression look like? Oppression, it's almost to the point that it's overwhelming. It, it tends to impact our thoughts, it tends to influence our identity. We, we go from saying, I'm walking in difficulty to believing that I'm a victim. 
And there's this oppression. There's a, you, you, come, you come into God's house this morning, and even when you come into God's house, you come in and you carry this heaviness. You carry this weight. And you enjoy coming to church because what it does is it gives you a, it gives you a respite. And you, you come into God's house, you come into God's presence, we come into God's presence every Sunday, and we love coming in, in, into God's house, we love coming into God's presence, because it gives us a moment in our week, it gives us a, a, this period of time where we, can, where we can breathe. But it's not too long after we step out of the doors of church that we become aware of this heaviness again, and, and we walk with this oppression. That's you this morning. I want you to know that number one, you are not alone. That there are a lot of people around you that if they're be honest, that's the world that they live in. That's, that's, what's, that's what's happening as far as spiritual activity in, in, in their existence, in their day, in their environment. There are some who have walked in here this morning and it's not just harassment. It's, just not, it's not just oppression. It's demonic possession. Now, first of all, let me, let me say this, that it is impossible to be a Christ follower and be demon-possessed. But those of you that have walked in here this morning, that you've walked in here as a skeptic, you've walked in here as a seeker, and you may be consciously aware of it, you may be completely unaware of it. But there's this spiritual activity in your life, there's this demonic activity in your life that it, it is controlling and consuming. It's quite possible that there's somebody who has come here this morning and you've come and you're fully aware of the demonic possession. In fact, you've come here today and you sit in this sanctuary and you've walked in today specifically to pray against what God is doing here. I, I want to talk to you this morning. I'm thrilled that you're here. I'm absolutely thrilled that you're here. Now, I want you to know this, that the activity for which you came will not work <laughs> because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. But I believe this this morning. I believe that God can set you free, okay? And, and I want to invite you. <laughs> I want to invite you to join the winning team this morning. I want to invite you to join the winning team this morning. It's so easy, listen, it's so easy for us to get stuck in this issue of the demonic. Whether being consciously aware of it or being unaware of it, it's so easy for us to get stuck in the activity of the demonic. Just as this man there on the Galilean seashore, because we misunderstand God's activity. And, and listen, when we misunderstand God's activity, we, we see it here in, in Luke chapter 8. We see this, that misunderstanding God's activity will lead us to misunderstanding God's character. Right? That's, that's what, the, that's what the, the demon-possessed man says there. He says, Jesus, what have you to do with us? Have you come to torture us? This is in stark contrast to Jesus' declaration, no, I have come that you might have life. He who the Son sets free is free. Galatians 5.1 says this, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. 
But oftentimes, when we don't understand the activity of God around us, it causes us to question God's character. God, I don't understand what you're doing. God, it doesn't appear to me that you're truly loving. That's why it's good sometimes to pause and and come to a table and be reminded of the great lengths to which God has gone to express His love towards us and to offer freedom for us. And see, we, we misunderstand God's activity because we don't understand God's focus. It tells us this in verse 29. It says, for Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. And and this shouldn't surprise us. This shouldn't surprise us that this is Jesus' focus. Why? Because a few chapters earlier in Luke 4, Jesus quotes Isaiah 61. In Isaiah 61.1, it says this prophetically about Jesus. That which Jesus, in Luke 4, Jesus acknowledges that he's the fulfillment of what the prophet Isaiah wrote centuries before. And this is what it says in Isaiah, Isaiah 61.1 and in, and in Luke 4. It says, the spirit of the, of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring freedom. He has anointed me to cause the captives to be set free. He has anointed me that the blind eyes will be opened. He has anointed me that you might walk in deliverance, Jesus says. And when we understand the activity of God, relying on the character of God, we can appreciate the focus of God. But in that moment, this demon-possessed man, he couldn't see it because rather than walking in an understanding of God's character and his, and his, his, his intent, instead he's living his life in bondage. And friends, that's not, where, that's not where God wanted this man to live, and it's not where he wants you to live. So, how do we find, how do we find freedom? How do we find deliverance? How do we find victory over the demonic? Well, I got good news for you. Just as Jesus set free this man, he can set you free as well. Just as Jesus set free this man, if you allow him, he'll set you free today. Notice the interaction. It tells us this. It says that that many times the, 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 the demonic sees this man. And though he was chained hand and foot he kept, uh, and kept under guard, he would, he would even break chains. And he had been driven by the demon into solitary places. But no, notice Jesus' approach. And, and this, is, this is how we find spiritual freedom. Notice Jesus' approach. And when you notice Jesus' approach, what you do is this, is you discover his heart. This man cries out, Jesus, son of the most high God, what have you have to do with me? What have you have to do with me? Did you come here to torture me? And here's what Jesus does. Jesus says this. He says, tell me your name. What's your name? I've heard people preach on this on this text 
And they'll tell you that Jesus is speaking to the demon. There's nothing in Scripture that indicates that Jesus is speaking to the demon. There's nothing in this text that references the issue of the demon. It says that this man came, and then it, it notice this. Scripture says that Jesus spoke to the man. This shouldn't come as a surprise to us, because oftentimes we want to focus on the problem. Oftentimes we want to focus on the situation. Oftentimes we want to focus on the activity. And the reason we want to do this is because we get, we get confused. And we start thinking that this thing that we have with God is all about rules and regulations, all about do's and don'ts. But understand this, that God will always be focused first on relationship. God is not as concerned about what you do as he is about who you are. Let me say that again, because it is imperative that you understand that. It's imperative that we grasp that. That God is not so much concerned about what you do as he is about who you are. See, this is the reason why when we were yet sinners, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Right? For God so loved us that he gave his only son that whosoever simply believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. We get confused. And we want to engage in activity and fix things instead of, instead of grabbing hold of this relationship that God makes available to us. Jesus says, what is your name? This man being demon-possessed, the, the demon steps in and says, we are, my name is Legion. Legion. Legion, the Greek word for legion here, it's, it's kind of co-opted from a, a Hebrew word that means many. Legion also, in, 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 this, in this context, in, in, in this time in history, a legion would have been four to 6,000 troops. Doesn't mean that there were four to 6,000 demons in this man. It just means that there was a pretty massive demonic presence there. It was a statement that was made by the demonic in hopes of intimidating. I want you to notice that Jesus was not impressed. The difficulty that you face, the challenge that you face, the harassment that's in your day, this oppressive weight that you're carrying, this controlling spirit that holds you captive, Jesus is neither intimidated nor impressed. Because at the very name of Jesus, demons have to flee. <laughs> so. Jesus asked, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. But notice even in this moment that they begged him. They begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. There's something powerful that happens when we, when we understand God's heart. Number two, when we connect with Jesus on a personal level. It tells us this. It tells us 
that this man interacting with Jesus, here's what happens. Jesus casts the demons out of him and into these unclean pigs that rush headlong down into the sea. It's part of the reason why we know specifically geographically where it happens is because there's only one spot on the eastern shore where the slope is such that the pigs could rush. And then what does this man do? Look at, look at verse number 35. It tells us this. It says, and the people went out to see what had happened. Okay, why did the people go out to see what had happened? Because the guys that were there taking care of their pigs, right? There are these guys out here taking care of the pigs and these demons go into the pigs and all their pigs go run into the sea and they're like, what? <laughs> wow, <laughs> right? So they go in and they tell the townspeople. Now, here's what we know. People that were been taking care of pigs, they're not Jewish. Right? So this whole thing, Jesus, the Messiah stuff, they're not, they're not so into that. But here's what they are into. They're into, I don't know what just happened, but that was amazing. That gets your attention too, don't you think? <laughs> yeah. And so, so uh, when those tending the pigs saw what happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. You know what's interesting to me that I, I don't get? I don't get this. I don't get this part of the story. It says this, that, that there was this, this guy who, he ran around naked. They would, they would bind his hands and his feet and he would break those binds. And he ran around naked and he hung out in the tombs. And no doubt they said, there goes crazy Larry. If you're Larry this morning, I'm not referring to you. <laughs> it's just a name, okay? How about this? There's crazy Mortimer, because there's a pretty low chance there's somebody here named Mortimer this morning, right? There's crazy Mort. And, uh, and so, watch, there's going to be some guy named Mort here today. Anyway, there's crazy Mort. There he goes, naked. Wonder what he's up to today. And they're just like, there he goes. They come and the guy's clothed in his right mind and sitting next to Jesus. And that's what makes him afraid? What? You know what I know? I know this. I know that there are a lot of Christians that are more afraid of a move of the Holy Spirit than they are about demonic influence in their life. I don't get it. No, 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 that, is not, that makes no sense to me. But we can walk, listen, we can walk in spiritual freedom and we, when we connect with God's heart and we, and we engage with God on this, on this personal level. And then here's the final thing. And this is not uncommon. I think it's human nature. This man experiences the power of God. He experiences Jesus moving in his life in a dramatic way. And, 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 and notice this. It, it tells us in verse number 38. It tells us that the man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with Jesus. 
Jesus, can I just spend the rest of my life hanging out with you? You know, as a, as a Christian, I get that. Life would be so much easier if we could just hang out here all the time, right? If we could just live our life saturated in God's presence, I mean, that'd be really cool. And here's, here's the thing we know. We know that God's a provider, so we know that he can provide, right? If that means he needs to bring manna from heaven again, we know that he fed 5,000 men plus women and children with one little boy's lunch, so we know that God can feed us. How about we just hang out here? How about we just live in our holy huddle? The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. You see, God wants to set you free, not just for you to be free. God wants to set you free to where your life can be a witness of the fact that people do not have to live demonically harassed, demonically oppressed, demon-possessed. That, that Jesus has come that all of us might live in freedom. And today, Jesus wants to set you free. It does start, it starts with really being honest. You think about your thought life. These thoughts that the enemy brings over you. You're here this morning and, and, and you find yourself regularly, your mind regularly going to thoughts of guilt and shame. Understand that's demonic harassment. You're here this morning and you, you find your thoughts regularly going to ideas of suicide. Recognize what that is. That's demonic harassment. You find your mind constantly going in an unhealthy direction. There are times it's temptation. There are times that it's demonic harassment. God wants you to walk free from that this morning. You came in here today and, and, and you, you walked in with this massive weight that seems to hang over you all the time. You haven't always been this way. There used to be a time where you live with a smile on your face, a song in your heart, and a swing in your step. But you're different. You've changed. The people around you notice it and they're not sure what to say. Lost your joy. It's time for that oppression to lift. You're here today, you walked in, and you have not yet given your life to Christ, and, and you, you know this morning 
that there is significant demonic influence in your life. Even now, there's this battle raging and the enemy is trying to keep you in bondage. But can you hear it? Can you hear the call of the Holy Spirit saying, today's your day to walk in freedom? Today is your day to walk in forgiveness. Today is your day to walk in grace. Today is your day to walk in genuine strength. Today is your day. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.